Yo, what's good, everybody? I am back. I am back. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Coffee Shop Podcast. I'm your host, Folgers, and it is a beautiful day outside today. And this feels so amazing to be back, to be able to record another episode and give y'all my takes on everything that's been going on throughout the week. Now, I know I missed a lot from the NFL season to the start of the NBA season to the MLB lockout. And and I'm going to catch up with y'all and get everything everything back on track, you know, and make sure I give y'all the best content possible, you know, keep y'all going and make sure y'all subscribe, make sure y'all like, follow, leave reviews as well, leave comments, share, criticize, do what you need to do. Like, I want to hear y'all feedback on these episodes I'm putting out, you know, because I want to give y'all great content and I want to make sure that y'all getting the best episode ever on each release, you know, instead of the same boring or I heard this, I heard that. Nah, I want to hear what y'all have to say about the episode as well, man. So, you know, leave comments, follow, like, comment, subscribe. Do what you need to do, man. Do what you need to do. Um, I'm recording this on February 24th. Uh, The All-Star Game has already passed. NBA All-Star Game has passed, rather. And I'm starting to like this new new format that the NBA has for the All-Star Game. Because for starters, you got to win by... No. The point total is 21 points more um, in the fourth quarter. And you just got to reach that total. Which I'm cool with. Because towards the end of the games, like it, it actually gets competitive. And prior to the past, I think this is year five that they've been doing this format. Or year three, one of the two. Uh, the All-Star games, most of the time they'd be boring. Like the first half... It's okay, a whole bunch of alley-oops, a whole bunch of dunks, and crossovers that most of the time we see on Instagram from street hoopers. Then, of course, the second half, you'll see, okay, you'll see the, the role, not the role players, but the reserves for the All-Stars come in, and they'll do a little something here and there, some from score a couple of buckets. But most of the time, like, it's just a, a pickup game that really has no competitiveness in it. The past three years, especially this year, I'm loving the intensity. I'm loving the the defensive intensity that picks up when the games get close. I'm loving the set plays that the players are running when the games get close. So you know that they're actually putting forth effort into it. Steph dropped 50. And I know at the, the mic'd up, He was asking, too, and he said, what was the record? And someone informed him that the record was 52, and you could tell that he was going for it. Hell, everybody knew that he was going for it. And once he got 50, it was like, all right, 
bet. He about to go ahead and he about to shatter this record. I'm thinking he about to drop 64 for the game because that's at the pace that he was going at. But when it came to winning the game or putting the game away, Steph started missing buckets. And I'm like, come on now, it's the All-Star game. It's not really that much pressure. You only play this game once a year. But I remember he missed one. He missed one on the left wing, if I'm not mistaken. I think he came off the screen. And then he threw up a three. And then he bricked that one. Then, I think the next possession or a couple of possessions later, he came down again. And I think he shot it from the right wing. I think he started from the right wing. And then he ended up missing that one. And you could tell he was frustrated because he was like, you know he wanted that uh, that record. So then, just watching the game, once I saw, okay, Steph ain't going to get the record. All right, Team LeBron is just going to go for the win. And so it's only fitting that LeBron hits the game-winning shot to beat Team Durant when he posted up on Zach Levine. And it's funny because Zach Levine literally just hit a three the possession before to make it a close game, to make it to where whoever scores the next basket wins. So it's only fitting that two people born in Akron make significant impacts on the game. Giannis had damn near triple-double per usual. I think he had like 32 and 14 or something like that. Um, Embiid had 36 and 10 for Team Durant, which I was like some completely surprised at. I didn't even know he had that many points. Then, fun fact, I didn't know Jimmy Butler and uh, Fred, Fred Van Fleet only played nine minutes. And I understand it's the All-Star game and sometimes it's based on strategy as well. But nine minutes, like, yeah, they could have played a little bit more than nine minutes. They could, they they really could have played more than nine minutes. It's like okay, Darius Garland was kind of bricking all over the place, and yeah, it's cool for him to have his moment, and also he's a Cavalier as well, so you want him to get his shine. And then Jared Allen, who rightfully so deserves to be in the All Star game, you know he's good for put back dunks and alley oops or defense. But Jimmy Butler and Fred Fan Fleet could have got more than nine minutes. I understand Chris Paul getting like three just because he suffered an injury recently. But them two could have got more than freaking nine minutes. But like I said, I definitely enjoyed the the All-Star game. I definitely enjoyed watching it and seeing how competitive it is and I hope this continues on for for years and years to come to see especially some of the younger players be all-star game. Like I'm happy that Cat finally got an all-star or got another all-star. I'm happy that Fred Van Vliet got a is is an all-star game. Darius Garland, LaMelo Ball. Um next year it'll be Anthony Edwards. Jalen Brown should have been an all-star as well. But I don't know, I, I guess that's another topic for another day. 
And then it's still surprising to see how James Harden was selected to an all-star team by the coaches, despite the fact that he's been playing like shit for half the season. Actually, not half the season. Literally the whole season. He's been playing like complete trash. Like, come on now. And he still made the all-star team. Okay. That was that was Jalen Brown's spot right there. And even if you want to say, oh, Jalen Brown um, was injured or his numbers is not as good as James Harden. They're both neck and neck when it comes when you look at numbers side by side. And so it's gonna happen every year as well. Like every year there's gonna be somebody that gets snubbed. And it's gonna be every year there's gonna be a couple of surprises that make the team. And so hopefully next year and years going on down the road they also get that right too the NBA wise because it's more of a popularity contest than actually looking at the games like I'm happy Juwan Murray became an all-star and that's because Draymond preached heavily not preached but he put in a great word for him to get in so I'm, I'm happy he's get. I'm happy he getting his shine I'm also happy for Darius Garland the Cleveland Cavaliers, the, the Grizzlies, because those are also, you know, the surprises of the league this year as well, and the Timberwolves. You know, because I'm, I'm looking at the, the second half of the season, and I'm looking at the standings, and I see Phoenix is miles ahead of the number one seed. And then compared to Miami and Chicago, where both of them are dogging it out for the number one seed. I think Miami's on top. And then the Bulls is just two and a half games out, along with the Sixers, Cavaliers, and Bucks to round out the top five. I'm paying attention more towards the race for that sixth seed on both sides. Because if you look at the West, Granted, you got the Nuggets at 33 and 25. You got the Timberwolves at the 7th at 31 and 28. Then you got the Clip Show with 30 and 31. Lakers at 9 with 27 and 31. And then the Trailblazers, who I'm still surprised is still in it with a 25 and 34 record. Then you got the Spurs and Pelicans, who are a whole game back of the Trailblazers for that 10th seed. And Looking at the West for the sixth seed, the Clippers are playing extremely well despite not having Paul George and despite not having Kawhi Leonard. This shows that Tyron Lue is an excellent coach to put his players in the best position possible to win, such as Terrace Mann, Luke Kennard, Reggie Jackson, you know, all these players are really stepping up and contributing big time. They're getting equal scoring from all around. They're also beating the teams that they're supposed to beat as well, which, you know, you're supposed to do in the NBA. If you see a bottom feeder, you know, you're supposed to take advantage of those. You're not supposed to sleep on those. Now, granted, every player is professional and every player gets paid to play the game. But if my team is better than your team, then, you know, nine times out of ten, I'm, my team is going to win. Um, the Timberwolves, 
who I'm surprised uh, that they're actually the seventh seed right now. And I hope they can keep it up throughout the season, you know, because defensively is where they took a huge step forward. Because right now they're ninth in defensive rating, first in turnover force, and third in blocks. You know, they're playing really, really great team defense, especially with the addition of Patrick Beverly. Uh, D'Angelo Russell has stepped it up big time on defense because he was consi considered a defensive liability on that um, throughout his career. I'm happy for Cat. Once again, like I said, he made a made an all-star team, another one. You know, he's averaging 24 and 9 and 4 on shooting splits of 52, 40, and 81. A big man shooting 40% from three and 81% from the line on top of 52% from the field, which is pretty good. You know what I mean? That's nothing to slouch at. And then you got Anthony Edwards, who's taking a major step forward in his sophomore year, averaging 21.9, four rebounds, and three assists a game on 43, 35, and 77 split shooting splits. Now, Anthony Edwards has been taking smarter shots, and in a slick way, he became that alpha dog for that team. He pretty much replaced Jimmy Butler from when Jimmy Butler was there. Because that's all that the Timberwolves was really missing was just a, a dog. Like someone who ain't going to take shit, who's going to get his shot, play hard nose defense, get in the face of the opponents. You know, that's, that's all that team was really missing. And I'm glad they struck gold with this guy because – um, I think if it wasn't for him, this team wouldn't be where they are right now. Hell, I don't think they'll be over 500. I think they would be still under 500 with the the bottom feeders like the the Kings and the and the Rockets for this season. And so I'm I'm really excited for the Timberwolves, and I'm really excited that. You know, they're still in the playoff hunt and still are a game and a half outside of the sixth seed so they could avoid that playing game. Now, will they get waxed by Golden State, Phoenix? I think Utah is up there, too. I think Utah is like the third or fourth seed. Yes. But you can say that this is progress. Major progress for improvement and to have their young cores something to build on. You know, the Lakers, I think the Lakers are, are done. Stick a fork in them. Actually, they're beyond done. Now, granted, they will go on a little run, a little four or five game winning streak. But overall, with about 30 games left in the season and you're already at the ninth position and you only hold a maybe a game and a half, two games on the 10th seed, that, I, I think that league has slipped pretty quickly and it would not surprise me to find the Lakers um, missing the playoffs this year. And 
the team was a disaster before the season even started. Because you traded away Montrez Harrell, who was a good backup center at the least, you know, who could play small ball. You traded Kuzma, a young piece. Now, he did have his moments, his dunce moments, but he's still a young guy and someone who can still give you buckets off the bench. Then you traded away Contavia, KCP, Contavious Caldwell Pope, for and a first-rounder for Russell Westbrook. So already, that was off to a bad start. Then you decide to, you as in the Lakers, decide to fill up the roster with Kendrick Nunn, who's in and out the lineup, with Malik Monk, who's inconsistent, with Carmelo Anthony, who's old. In NBA terms, he's old. Um, with Trevor Reza, who already missed a third of the season because of injury. And then even then, he's up there in age. Andre, no, they didn't get Andre Drummond. Um, they had Andre Drummond, but that, that experiment failed. Um, DeAndre Jordan, which is like, okay, what are you doing? Um, but still, you decide to surround, to fill up the roster with a whole bunch of old guys and only a couple of young guys who, one, like Kendrick Nunn is a solid role player, but he's not no difference maker. And then you have Malik Monk, who's still relatively young. After that, it's just a whole bunch of old guys. So the way the roster was constructed was pretty shitty already, if you think of, if you examine it from that point of view. And then, you know, the sports media altogether wants to put a microscope under Westbrook and all the turnovers he's making, the bad shots that he's taking, um, the lack of daysical defensive effort, and you have to take the microscope off of him and just look at the team all together. You know, half of that team already already regressed starting the season. And then as the season went on, they started to regress even more, which ironically requires LeBron to play a lot more minutes and rely a lot more on his shoulders. Now, granted, Anthony Davis was supposed to be that second guy, but Anthony Davis can't stay healthy to save his life. And it's like, you know, if he can't stay healthy, and then you got Westbrook, who's not playing well, who else do you have to step up consistently? Don't worry. I'll wait. And then trying to fire Frank Vogel, and it's like, okay, you're going to fire a guy who's doing the best that he can to work with the roster that was put together. Firing him isn't going to solve anything. And so, like I said, I don't, I don't see the Lakers even remotely making the playoffs. I think they will fall out. Um, the Trailblazers, I'm, I'm pretty skeptic on them as well. Just because, you know, they traded away C.J. McCollum. They traded away, I think they traded away Larry Nance Jr. as well. They traded away Gary Trent Jr. last year, which was, I guess, okay in hindsight because they couldn't pay him. And Alfred uh, Simmons, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's how I pronounce his name. If I butcher your name, my apologies. 
he stepped up big time, especially since Dame has been out with an injury. But that team, I don't know. That team is just young, and I don't know. The Trailblazers need to rebuild. Granted, like I said, they are the 10th seed, and you are what your records say you are, and can't help where you are in the standings. You beat the teams you're supposed to beat. But I'm looking at this roster all together, and I'm looking at the second half of the season. And even if, even when Dame comes back, a lot is going to be on his shoulders. Just the same way a lot is on LeBron's shoulders. A lot is going to be on Dame's shoulders just to drag this team just to a playing game. Just to a playing game. Um, I think the Spurs will jump the Trailblazers and or the Lakers. Um, I think I think the Spurs with Greg Popovich, uh, Juwan Murray, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge still playing at it. Oh, never mind. He plays for the Nets. That's my apologies on that. Um, the Spurs still playing decent basketball. I think they could jump the, the Trailblazers into that 10th spot and I think Maybe even the Lakers for the ninth spot. I, I really do. And then the Pelicans, especially since they got C.J. McCollum. And hopefully they'll get Zion back. Hopefully. And if they do, I could see them sneaking in as well. Because they did start out pretty terrible to start the year. Um, I think they were the worst team, one of the worst teams to start the season. Then they just went on a nice little run. Um, mid-December and early January to where they're at least within striking distance and they can still make some noise. And that's what I'm looking forward to in the, in the West. Now, in the East, so as a disclaimer, I am a Knicks fan. And the fact that I can't name the Knicks in the race for the sixth seed, let alone a, a play a game, is pretty disheartening. You know, but for the race for the six right now, the Celtics is on this was with the six seed at 34-26. Then you got the Raptors. And the Raptors have been playing great basketball right now, especially with their rookie Scotty Barnes. I knew there was gonna be a surprise, but not this big of a of a surprise. Just like I didn't expect the Cavaliers to be a fourth seed. Like none whatsoever. But I'm gonna get to the Cavs in a minute. Uh, the Raptors, 32-25. The Nets, who lost, I think, like eight straight at one point, then made the trade, who they slick won that trade with uh, them and the 76ers. With the Nets at 31-28. Then you got the Hornets at 29-31. and 31. Then you got the Hawks at 28-30. and 30. They're the ninth seed. No, they're the 10th seed. I'm sorry. And the Hawks been playing pretty well as of late. They went on a nice little run. I think before, you know, a recent loss, they was on a nine-game winning streak. And that really, really speaks true to injuries. One, injuries, because they lined up. They did be in and out of the lineup. And then also it speaks to the chemistry of the team and still knowing that, hey, once we get healthy, we're going to go on a run. Just like the Bucks, the Bucks started out pretty rocky to start the season. That's because of health. But once everybody was able to get healthy and everybody was able to get on the court together, 
that's when you started to see the wins start to pile up and they were starting to move up in the rankings. So I expect to see the same thing with the Hawks as well. As long as they continue to get healthy, I expect them to still keep climbing up the Eastern Conference standards, and I think they could avoid the play-in game. I really think they could avoid the play-in game. And then you got the Wizards, who's one game back of the 10th seed. And it's funny how far the Wizards came. I kind of remember early November, this team was literally number one in the East. Literally the number one team in the East. Then out of nowhere, like I don't know what happened to where they just started playing terrible basketball. And then they just slowly started slipping and slipping and slipping and slipping. And before you know it, you know, they out the they out to play in the playing game and on the outside looking in. Then Bradley Beal is out for the rest of the year as well. So that really puts a toll on the Wizards. Now, they did get Porzingis. And Porzingis isn't going to move the needle, per se. It's not going to turn the Wizards from a mediocre team to a playoff team. I can tell you that right now. Because Porzingis is a really good role player. Like, he, he's a really, really good role player. Border, he's like a Tobias Harris to me. Really good, but not an all-star. Uh, so, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how, how Porzingis is able to mesh with the team. I'm interested to see if the Celtics can hold that six seed because right now they're a game and a half above the Raptors. And I'm interested to see as well if the Nets with Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. Seth Curry's already making his imprint known. Um, Drummond is still going to rebound. And I'm interested to see how Ben Simmons is able to fit with the team, especially since he won't be asked to score. You know, he'll be asked to play defense and to run the fast break. And the Nets get a full-time Kyrie Irving, which is scary. Then whenever KD comes back, which will probably be somewhere around mid-March. You know, because if I'm, if I'm KD or if I'm thinking like KD, just take all the time that I need. I know I could come in and drop buckets at any time. You know, just take as much time as you need to to make sure you're fully healthy and to get ready for this playoff run. Because Kyrie had half a season, and then he was a part-time player playing on the roads. So, you know, he has some sort of health. Um, he's, you know, a little more healthy, rather. Now, he did have an ankle sprain, and then he came back, and I think he dropped like 25 straight points that same game, if I'm not mistaken. He was, he was on the minutes that game. I literally forgot which one that was. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, how this new Nets team come together. The Hornets, now, with the Hornets getting Montrez Harrell, I think he's perfect. He's a perfect fit for that team, especially since the Hornets like to run small. You know, Montrez don't need the ball in his hands a lot. He plays defense, catch alley-oops, and he's that dog that the Hornets need as well. 
So I really like that fit. I'm interested to see if the Hornets is able to maintain their position. Um, but I think for the most part in the East, everything is kind of settled. The only thing is just going to be final standings. Um, unless um, like the Raptors decide to implode or a team like the Knicks finally get it together and able to make a run, I think the East is pretty set. At least when it comes to 1 through 10, it's just a matter of where each team is going to land when it comes to the final rankings. And now, I want to continue to talk about this, my surprise teams besides the the Timberwolves and the Cavs. I said I was going to get back to the Cavs and the Cavs are playing really, really great basketball, especially on the defensive side because they're top 10, let alone top 5, in pretty much every major statistical category. You know, they're first in defensive rating. They're first in points per game allowed. They're third in rebounds. They're fourth in the opponent's field goal percentage. Um, like I said earlier, there's Garland and... Jared Allen are both all-stars. And it's sad to see the Nets had to give up Jared Allen in order to get James Harden and then just to turn around and get rid of James Harden where you could have kept Jared Allen, who was you know, a stud. But I'm glad to see the Cat Cavs are back to being competitive basketball, especially without LeBron. Um, Kevin Love is excelling um, as a role player off the bench. Ricky Rubio was that veteran point guard for that second unit until he went out. And then to go get Rondo, which makes it even better, because once again, you have another veteran guard who's able to help a young guard like Darius Garland and Colin Sexton before he went out to help them develop. Evan Mobley's my rookie of the year, averaging 18 and 15 and 8, my bad. 15 and 8. He's my rookie of the year. Um, I think he I think he wins it by a landslide, barring any injuries, and unless Kay Cunningham and Scotty Barnes decide to drop 30 plus points, or Jalen Green decide to drop 30 plus points for the rest of the season. I don't see anybody catching Evan Mobley in the rookie of the year race. And props to J.B. Bickerstaff as well. Um, he didn't really get much of a chance in Memphis. Like, he was gone after two seasons. And for him to take over this Cavs team, especially his first full season, and propel them to a fourth seed with great defense, props to him. He's he's also my coach of the year. Like, he, he really is my coach of the year. Um, out of nowhere. And then also the Grizzlies as well. The Grizzlies are my surprise team as well. You know, the third in the West, and Jaws averaging 26 points a game on 49, 33, and 75 shooting splits. And John Morant made the All-Star team. And then even when Ja was out, the whole team still stepped up and got equal balance scoring from Desmond Bain. Kyle Anderson, Dylan Brooks, 
Jaron Jackson, who Jaron Jackson has made a huge leap this year. Uh, last year was taken away from him just because he tore his ACL and he was recovering. He took a long time to recover to get back. So, you know, his shot wasn't as falling as it used to be. And um, he didn't really have a good feel for the game once he got back on the floor. Because I saw him last year in the Grizzlies series against the Jazz. You could tell that he was kind of forcing it a little bit. And he didn't really have a good feel for the game. But I'm glad to see him playing a whole lot better this year. Got a full off, full healthy offseason to recover, to work on his game. And it really paid dividends this year. And I'm, and I'm glad to see him pay, playing well. And then not only that, you got Steven Adams as well. So it also helps that Jaron can step outside some more. And he doesn't need to stay inside the paint because Steven Adams is right there. And so I'm really glad. I'm really happy for this team. I'm hoping these three teams are able to keep it up, stay in the playoff race, and be in the playoffs. Hell, I hope there will be a playoff series between the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves just because somebody's going to have to win that series. And it will be kind of boring if the Grizzlies win against, I don't know, like the Clippers or something, and the Timberwolves win against like the Warriors. And we both know, the, and we all know the Warriors are going to smack the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies, you know, may beat out the, the Clippers. But I do want to see a playoff series between the Grizzlies and Timberwolves just because, like I said, somebody's going to have to win that series. Somebody's going to have to win it. And if you made it this far, I truly appreciate it. Appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to this episode. Make sure y'all follow me on Instagram at D underscore coffee underscore shot with two P's. Make sure you also follow me on TikTok as well as it's the same thing at D underscore coffee underscore shot with two P's. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at D coffee shop pod. That's T-H-E-C-O-F-F-E-E-S-H-O-P-O-D. And once again, my name is Folgers. And I am out.